Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I really want to focus on a topic that is super, super dear to Jesus' heart. It's a topic that is very close to his heart. Everything that Jesus said was important, of course, because when Jesus spoke, it was the God-man speaking. So how many of y'all know everything he said was super important? But what we're going to read today were some of his final words before he departed to go to the Father. And I don't know about you guys, but in my experience, let's say with my mother, right before she passed, we, we had some time to spend together. And she shared some things with me that were very, very important. How many, of y'all, how many of y'all know when you're about to pass on to go to heaven, you're not going to waste any time on earth? That you're going to speak truth and you're going to share some, some, some very important things. Well, that's what we're going to read today here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These are some of Jesus' final words. And therefore, I want you to lean in. And some of you have read this a hundred times. Many of you could recite it by heart, but I'm going to go for it one more time because I want to give y'all some vision today of why we are here at the Midtown campus, what we're doing in this hour, what our mission is, what our goal is. Are y'all ready to go there? Because I'm going to read it to you. Y'all ready? If you're ready, say ready. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And in the spirit of Jesus, I'm going to try to sit down today and teach. Y'all think, y'all think I can stay right here? You think I can do it? All right, well, let's see what the Lord wants to do. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Here's what Jesus said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19. Go therefore and make what? Say it again. Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, if you have your Bible, circle this word, to observe or obey, circle that, to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. How long? Always. Always. How long to the end? How far to the end of the age? Aren't you, aren't you glad that he's with us? Not just in the good times, but come on, y'all, through the bad times, he's always with us and will be to the end of the age. Now, as we read this, I know you've read it a hundred times, you've heard it perhaps a thousand times, but here's what Jesus is basically saying. As the coach and as the quarterback, all in one, Jesus is calling his disciples into a huddle and he's giving them, watch this, the play to run. He wants his disciples, really, it's kind of one play with different dimensions, but I want you disciples, I want you to go short I want you to make disciples locally in Jerusalem, but I also want you here. Here, I'm going to times. I'm gonna, I want you to go long. I'm, I'm going to throw a. I'm going to throw a bomb out. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples of all the nations, not just your nation, but how many nations? All nations, not just people who look like you and think like you and talk like you, but people who aren't like you at all. I want you, here's the play, I want you to make disciples of them as well. And how many of y'all know, we need to hear that. Sometimes we get caught in our little bubble. Y'all have your little bubble, your little clique you can sometimes get stuck in. 
Jesus wants you to love one another. And you're going to have your little discipleship group, your little small group. But how many of y'all know there are people in this community who need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And we have to get out of our comfort zones and, and do one very important thing, and that is go. Everybody say go. Go. How many of y'all know you can do very little for Jesus in your comfort zone? You can pray there. You can read the word there. But you cannot be fruitful in your comfort zone. You have to get out of it and go into the world and make disciples, as Jesus said, of how many nations? All nations, all kinds of people. But here's what he's saying. I want you to go short. Come on, football season's coming. I want you to go short. Locally, I want you to go deep. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them. And I want you to teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. Now, let me break this down further. Basically, Jesus is saying that what he's saying, what I've done for you, I want you to go and do for other people. It's called, here's the word, discipleship. Everybody say it with me. Discipleship. I want you to go into all the world. I want you to do for other people what I've done for you. I mean, this was Jesus' heart. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'm just going to sit and teach y'all today. Watch this. Jesus, he ministered to the crowds, but he discipled the core. How many of y'all know the crowd can be fickle? And in the days that we live in, if you've got the right stuff, it's easy to draw a crowd. But it's a whole different thing to spend time discipling the core, the faithful, those who really want Jesus and nothing but Jesus. Are y'all tracking? So he ministered. He loved the crowds. He loved people. But he discipled the core. That means he spent time with, well, just a few. He discipled the three. But then when he put what was in him into them, then that grew. How many of y'all know, if you do what Jesus did, you will get what Jesus got. Sorry for the grammar. But if you do what Jesus did, you'll get what, come on, what he got. What did he do? He spent time with the few, the three, but then it wasn't just three. It was what? It was 12. And then the 12 went to the 72 and the 72 to the 120, the 120 to the 3000. And when you looked at the book of Acts, what you see are tens of thousands of not just converts who raise their hand on a Sunday, but disciples who are advancing the kingdom on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through the rest of the week. And how many of y'all know when we get that, when we get that, when, when, when all of us here get that, Come on, y'all, this city will be turned upside down for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I think we're close. I think we're close. But we're not there just yet. So I'm here today to remind you of what is so dear to Jesus' heart. It's called the Great Commission. But how many of y'all know, if we will do what Jesus did, we will get what Jesus got. And what we see in the Bible is that when we make disciples, the church, and I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about you, We will grow in depth, size, and strength, won't we? Let me say it again. If we'll do what Jesus did, the church, you individually, you will grow in depth. We will grow in size. And come on, y'all, we'll grow in strength as we are his hands and his feet in this community, reaching people and building lives. Can I get an amen? Because that's what we're here to do. That's what will happen. But if we're just satisfied with coming in on a Sunday, just hearing a word, how many of y'all know that's not enough? 
Let me help you with something. In order to be a healthy, don't worry about that, to be a healthy disciple, you need to be poured into, you need to receive, but how many of you know, you also have to give. Let me say it again. You need to receive, everybody go like this. Today, I want you to receive this word. I want you to be filled up. I want you to be full of the word. I want you to be full of the spirit. You can put them down. But I want you to go outside those doors, and I want you as full disciples to then pour out onto others. How many of you know, if you just get full, that's good. But if you're full and you're not moving, if you're not pouring out, you'll get stagnant. You'll get stale. Things that don't move like that begin to stink. Are y'all tracking? So you've got to keep it moving. As I give it to you, you need to give it to others. You've got to keep it moving. We've got to make disciples, y'all. We've got to cast out demons, y'all. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to get together. We've got to come against the enemy. We've got to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and in Haiti. We've got to lay aside our differences and come together as disciples who are willing to change the world for Jesus. Why are you here, Pastor Scott? I'm glad you asked. To change the world for Jesus Christ. But the crowd won't do it. Jesus is looking for a core group of disciples who are willing to give it all for him. Oh, y'all, if you could just get what I'm giving y'all today. If you could get this, I think you do. But oh, as I fill you up, as God fills you up, come on, let's go pour out onto other people. The life of God into your workplace, the life of God into your school, the life of God unto the hurting and the broken, broken everywhere you go, y'all. That's what we're called to do. You, you've heard it, so we're vessels. Have you heard that before, that, 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 that language? We are vessels of Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. But here, here's the truth. In order to make disciples, here's the raw, hard truth. In order to make disciples, you have to first what? You have to be a disciple. Now, y'all know I'm not going to let you get out of here without challenging you. You know that, don't you? That's why you come. You like the challenge. That's what I love about this family. Y'all love to come and be challenged. So let me ask you a question. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Don't answer. Let that question sink in. I want you you to think about it. I didn't ask if you're a member of our church. I didn't ask if you have a Jesus Calling devotional. I didn't ask if you love Pastor Scott, because we all know the answer is six people responded to that. (laughs) Anyway, the question is not, do you love Pastor Jacob? All that's fine. We can talk about all that later. The question is, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple? Not, have you raised your hand? If you have, praise God, at the end of a service, you raise your hand again, say, oh, awesome. But my question is, are you a disciple? Now, you, you might be sitting there wondering, okay, I think I know what a disciple is, but Pastor Scott, I want you to spell it out for me. Well, that's what I'm going to do for you. So what is a disciple? Y'all want to know what a disciple is? Y'all want, y'all want my definition? Y'all know I wrote a book on this. Y'all know that? It's called the Gold Book, right? If you got the Gold Book? I wrote a whole book, Gold Book, and the book is about the book, the Bible. So if you want to get to know the book of the Bible, get my Gold Book. It's $5, and that'll help you get to know the book. Okay? All right? What is a disciple? What is a disciple? So many definitions have been given. Let me give you mine. Now, if you've got a better one, send it my way, and I'll I'll take whatever you got. If you've got something better, this is the best one I've come up with. I didn't steal this. It's just after 21 years of doing this, reading the Bible. Here's what I've come up with. Are you all ready? Say ready. 
A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, learns from Jesus, obeys Jesus, and seeks to imitate him in attitude and in action. Now, if you got something better, send it my way. But for now, this is what we're going to work with. Someone who follows Jesus, someone who learns from Jesus, someone who obeys Jesus. Jesus, whatever your word says, that I will do. Whatever your word says, Jesus, that I will do. And someone who seeks to imitate him in attitude and in action. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple who follows Jesus, learns from him, obeys him, and seeks to imitate him in all ways? Are you? Now, listen. Today, what we're going to do is if I had a big dry erase board, we have everything up on there. We're going to erase the board of your life, of your, where you've been. Let's just erase it. Let's start all over. And I want you to begin to think with this definition in mind. Evaluate yourself. How many of y'all know self-evaluation is very good? You, you don't want to just assume anything. As I'm, as I'm writing this message, I'm thinking about my own life. Okay, here's the good news about discipleship. Here's the good news. Okay, there's some tough components to this. Let me go very slowly with this today. The good news is that anyone can be a disciple if you are willing, biblically, to do three things. Okay, anyone here, anyone here can be a disciple if you're willing to do three things. Now, if you're taking notes, this is simple, but I want you to write it down. I want you to evaluate yourself. Are y'all ready? Here we go. Number one. Number one, it begins with answering the call. Answering the call. There is a devotional, Jesus Calling. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Jesus calling us by the gospel, calling us through our circumstances, calling us through one another, calling us to follow him and to give everything to him. You say, Everything? Everything. Watch. Not to get saved, but because you are saved and you realize that he's already paid the price for your salvation. But because he's done that, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be a disciple. Someone follows Jesus, learns from Jesus, obeys him, and and seeks to imitate him in attitude and action. He is calling every Sunday through me, through others. He's calling you. It's like the phone ringing. For some of y'all, it's been ringing for a long time. It's on the other side of the room, and you haven't picked up the call just yet. Today, I believe that God is going to convict some of you who've been on the sidelines, who've been ignoring the call. You're going to get up, pick up the phone, and say yes to Jesus. And when you do, I promise you, it will be the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I'm not saying it'll be easy once you do. I'm saying it's going to be worth it. How many of y'all know, with all the trials and tribulation, with all the persecution, even in Afghanistan, those believers will say, this isn't easy, but my God, it's worth it. It's worth it to be a follower of Jesus because he is our very great reward. Are y'all tracking? In the Gospels, we see Jesus calling people to follow him all over the place. For example, in John 1, Jesus calls Andrew and an unnamed disciple to become his followers. In Matthew 4... Jesus calls Andrew, Peter, James, and John to leave their profession and become fishers of men. In Luke 5, Jesus tells the disciples that they will be catching men. That's exciting. 
In Matthew 9, Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, uh, to leave it and to follow him. In Matthew 10, Jesus calls the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. That sounds like fun. He gave them authority, not to the crowd, but to the who? The core, for those who responded to the call. Wow. Now, what I love about this is if you read the Gospels, Jesus did not focus exclusively on the best or the brightest, the rich, and the respectable of society. He loved them too. And if if, if you're in that category, Jesus wants to use you. Okay? But listen to me. What I love about Jesus' ministry is that, yes, he loved the rich, the respectable, those who look gifted from society's perspective. But here's what I love about Jesus. All through the Gospels, he, he didn't go to the top, and oftentimes he would start at the bottom, and he would work his way up. And how many of y'all know that when, when Jesus called people, he didn't call them because they were great. He called them to make them great by his word and by his spirit. So that at the end of the day, whatever they do, the credit is not to them. The credit is to the one who called them into to do whatever he's asked them to do. All the credit is to God. But when we look at this, he called ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his glory. Just ordinary people. You look at them and they may be good at this or good at that, but just ordinary dudes, ordinary gals, he called them to do extraordinary things. Now, y'all know my story. I share it over and over here in Midtown. But y'all, y'all remember part of my story was that, you remember 21 years ago, God called me and I answered, I answered the call, which is the smartest thing I've ever done. But y'all remember in my high school days, early college days, y'all remember my story? I was told by one teacher in my school that I was the worst student that ever went through the school. Y'all remember that? Listen, to this day, as far as I know, I still hold the record for the most days skipped through high school. So if you're looking for someone who is going to preach the word, cast out devils, and advance the kingdom of God, Scott Adams was not even on the list of 10,000. Wasn't even on the list. How many of y'all know God specializes in jacked up people like me and you? And maybe you're at the top. Okay, God will use you too, but, but if you're at the bottom, if you're feeling down, you're feeling out, you're so sinful, you're so dark, you feel like you can never be used by God, all you need to do is read the Bible and look at my story because we will remind you that no one is too far down, no one is too far gone. God's arm can reach you and save you and deliver you and raise you no matter who you are. If you will just answer the call. And say yes. And so 21 years ago, I mean, I think about my past. I, I answered the call, but before that, I mean, now let, let me be clear. In high school, though I skipped a lot of school, I loved math. I loved counting all the beers I drank. <laughs> and I loved chemistry. Come on, y'all, I can make some fruity drinks. And some other substances that I was mixing. I just didn't even really go to school very often. You say, Pascal, what were you doing? Fishing. And he found me and made me a fisher of men. Me. I get messages on Facebook all the time from old classmates from from high school. 
Pastor Scott, is, is that you? <laughs> I'm like, if not for the grace of God. And people marvel, not at me, but at the grace of God in me and with me. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want, Midtown? For people to look at us, yes, okay, yeah, but ultimately to look to him. His gifts in us point to him. So Jesus got a hold of me, and I went from the bottom of the class to the top of my class very quickly as I went into college. I went from being a first-class loser to being a first-class leader. So I wasn't as far down as a loser could go. I was kind of at the top end of that. I was a loser. I still had some dignity. But I went from being a loser to a leader. And how many of y'all know only Jesus can do that? Only God can take someone like that. But what does it involve? It involves, well, you, you got to go out and you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you got to do this and you got to do that. No, no, no. All you have to do, no matter how young or old, no matter how far out you are, all you have to do is say yes to Jesus. That's it. Say yes. Whatever he asks you to do, just say yes. You say, well, I don't, I don't feel worthy. You're not. You say, I don't feel like I'm that good. You're not. That's why you need Jesus. He makes you worthy. And by his spirit, he turns you into something good, useful for his cause. How many of y'all know we're not saved by good works? But we are saved for them. It's been said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. How many of y'all know he changes your heart? And by extension, he changes your life. Which changes everything around you. Are y'all with me today? That's what he does. Listen, God not only calls you, for those of you who are afraid, say, I don't know if I have what it takes. Don't worry, you don't. He does. Because watch this, he not only calls you, but he also equips you. He not only gives the call, but he equips the call. It's been said, listen carefully, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And whatever you need, you find it in Jesus Christ. And if you don't have it and he doesn't give it, it means you don't need it. But everything you need is found in him. Everybody say in him. In him. What are you saying, Pastor Scott? I'm saying this. Answer the call. Jesus, is that you? Whatever you want me to do, the answer is yes. Do you know how that would simplify your life and bless your life? So many of the problems we face in life are because of our prideful resistance to his call. Oh, I got it. And Jesus is up in heaven going, "Mm mm-hmm. That's why you've been crying out, praying for me to intervene over and over again because you've had it, right? Yeah, you don't have anything. How many of y'all know in him all things hold together? How many of y'all know he's our very great reward? Obedience to him brings blessing in our lives. Are y'all tracking? So what are you saying, Pastor Scott? I'm saying this. I'm inviting you to answer the call. Number two, write this down. You got to answer the call. But you also have to do something very, very, very important that some preachers leave out because they want to make it easier. And yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to make it harder. I don't want to make it easier. I just want to tell you the truth. you got to answer the call, but you also have to count the cost. Dr. Rod felt me on that one. You feel that? Y'all feel that? you got to count the cost. So where do you get that, Pastor Scott? I'm glad you asked. Luke, Luke 14, 25 through 30. Listen, lean in on this. 
<laughs> Listen to the language. Now, great crowds accompanied him. Big old crowd. 7,000 in attendance, 10,000, all kinds of people in attendance. And he, turned, and he turned and said to them, to the crowd, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, everybody say hate, hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. Look at the language. He cannot be my disciple. Whoa. Talking about a membership drive, driving them all away. Think about this. Do y'all see the word there, hate? Let me explain. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Check it out. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Wow, that's a hard truth, isn't it? That is a hard truth. But what I want you to see, Jesus is not contradicting the commandment that says to honor your father and mother. Jesus was fully man, fully God, fully aware of Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20, fully aware of Yahweh's commandment, you shall honor your father and mother. How many of y'all know Jesus didn't equivocate? He he kept things straight. How many of y'all know he keeps you straight? He keeps the universe straight. He keeps the stars in the sky straight. Everything is held together in him. He's got it. So he's not contradicting himself. But here Jesus says, you got to hate some things. What does that mean? He's not saying literally you hate your father or your mother. That would be without qualification to contradict one of the, the commandments. What he's saying is this. He's saying very clearly that your loyalty to Jesus must be greater than your loyalty to any person or thing. Even your own family. No person, no thing, no event, no hobby, no way of thinking, no political party. You fill in the blank. None of it can be placed above him because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So by comparison... If you're contrasting, you're taking the world, the things of this world, even good things, your love for Jesus must be so far above those things that it looks like hatred by comparison. That's what he's saying. What is he saying here? I require absolute obedience and loyalty. And that doesn't mean perfect obedience. It means an attitude of Jesus. I know I'm going to mess up. I know at times I'm going to, but, but here's my absolute attitude. I want to follow you. I want to be loyal to you no matter what comes my way. How many of y'all know that's what's being demanded of Christians in Afghanistan right now? They have counted the cost. And thank God for the faithful there. Who they know their children are going to be executed. They know they're going to be executed. They know they're going to be tortured. But they made up their minds there that Jesus is worth it. Here counting the cost means you come to the 9 o'clock service because you have to get up a little earlier. It can mean that for us American Christians, can it? Now, I'm not saying that to, to shame you or to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm saying this to prepare you. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to help you get the understanding of what Jesus requires. What does he require? Everything. Jesus is not literally saying hate your parents. He's saying that your loyalty to him must supersede all other loyalties. And if there's someone in your life or something in your life that you place in front of Jesus, okay, we've all done it. Jesus says, if that's the case going forward, if that's the decision you've made, he says this, with absolute love in his voice and in his heart. 
you cannot be my disciple. That's a heavy word, isn't it? And that actually demands something from us, doesn't it? Not just raising our hand on Sunday, but living in obedience to his word. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Jesus, whatever you ask me to do, the answer is yes. Jesus is just trying to run my life. No, he's trying to bless your life. The only way your life can truly be blessed is when you surrender to him, walk with him, and daily surrender to his will. How many of y'all know he knows what's best for your life? You don't have to wonder. You don't have to be confused. You tap into the word of God. The word gets in you. You surround yourself with godly counsel. And it's impossible to miss the will of God for your life if you do those things. Listen to me. If you want to be blessed by him, how many of y'all want to be blessed by Jesus? If you want to be blessed by him, then you have to walk with him every single day. And say, Jesus. Get up in the morning. Whatever you ask me to do today, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Jesus said this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be added unto unto you. In other words, don't seek the things of this world, even the good things of this world. Seek Jesus, seek his righteousness. If you seek him, you're going to be found in him and every good thing you need will be given to you. Relationships, all the resources, everything you need is found in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Y'all, that's so good. And listen carefully. If Jesus is Lord of one area of your life, then he must be Lord of every area of your life. He's not just Lord of Sunday mornings. When I say, lift your hands, we lift our hands. When I say, read this with me, when we give, thank, thank you for this. But if he's Lord of one area, he must be, because he is Lord, Lord of every area. How many of y'all know he wants to be Lord of your mind, of your heart, your money, your relationships, your sexuality? Let the one who created you define what that means. Be obedient to it and watch the blessing of God come in your life. Can I get a better amen? Surrender to his will. Don't just say the prayer. Surrender to him. Say, Jesus, whatever you're asking me to do, I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. I want to obey you. I want to... Imitate you in attitude and action. Open your heart. Surrender. Come into that relationship and watch God use you for his glory. So I said earlier, anyone can be a disciple if you do three things. The first thing is you got to answer the call. The second thing is you got to count the cost. And I think when you, when you count the cost and you, you do the math, you find out who Jesus is. And you actually read in the word what it says about Christ. You'll see that he is your great reward. He is your treasure. What you give up in this world cannot compare with the weighty worth of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Because you will lose things in this world. I know, and you know from experience. But there's one thing you cannot lose, and that is your relationship with Jesus. As you cling to him, he clings to you, and you will be with him forever. Come on, y'all. We should be, this would be a big old Pentecostal service, right? We should be running through the aisles when we understand. Don't do that. 
when we understand what we gain in Christ. We gain him. We gain him. But you've got to count the cost. Don't be so fast. Oh, I want to go to heaven. In all my years, 21 years of being a Christian, I've never met anyone when I said heaven or hell, they said put me down for hell. If you think about it, everybody wants to go to heaven. But not everyone wants to obey the Lord of heaven here on earth. We pray this way. Our Father, say it with me, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah, you know how that happens? Several ways, but primarily through obedient Christians who aren't waiting to be raptured to go to heaven. That's going to happen. One day we're going to be taken away. I'm not praying that right now. Jesus said, Father, I pray, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world. Keep them safe from the enemy. I'm praying, God, don't, don't take me away. No, I've got a mission and I've got a purpose. I want to evangelize. I want to teach, preach. I want to cast out devils. I want your kingdom to come through me. I want your kingdom to come through my friends at the Midtown campus because you've gifted them. You've called them. You've graced them. So Lord, let your kingdom come. If you want to know how I pray, that's how I pray. All the time. Or let your kingdom come through Gerald A. Bear and Kemp. And it is in rain, Bible studies. Or let your kingdom come in businesses. Let your kingdom come through Edward Jones. Let your kingdom come through, through, through students who are at UL advancing the kingdom of God. God, God. Let your kingdom come through businessmen. I'm looking at a couple here. Businessmen, businesswomen who are so about your kingdom that the money that they make isn't just for them, but it's for the kingdom of God. For coaches. In any and every sphere of life, my prayer is that God's kingdom will come to you. But you've got to answer the call. You've got to count the cost. And number three, then we'll be done. I've sat down this whole time. Y'all are texting, betting. I know Tyler Boudreaux's over here texting Nick Swear. Y'all are, y'all are betting how long I sit. Somebody's going to lose some money. We'll see who it is. Number three, you must answer the call. Y'all, y'all with me? One person here. Y'all with me? You've got to answer the call. Number two, you got to count the cost. And number three, you got to make the cut. You see that? Pastor Scott, make the cut? What is this, trying out for football? Trying out for some team? <laughs> Let me explain. So I, I, I preached this principle several years ago, uh, and it was actually from the book of Acts, Acts 16. So I think most of y'all could probably go back and re-preach the whole message to your neighbor if you were here, but let, let me refresh you in case you forgot. Listen to what Luke tells us in Acts 16, 1 through 3. Here, here's what the Bible says. Hang with me. We're, we're, we're getting ready to close here in just a little bit. I, I promise you, I'm going to get you out a little early from this, okay? Here's what it says, beginning in verse 1, Acts 16, 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. Now, y'all know that's where they make Listerine. It's not. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's not. Don't write that down. Pastor Scott said, no, I, no, no, no. A disciple. Everybody say disciple. You see it? Who's there? Who, who, who? Who? Okay. A disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his, who was, his father was a what? A Greek. Uh-oh. Verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. This is like, whoa. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Stop right there. Paul wanted Timothy to come with him on this journey so that Timothy, like Paul, could be used by God. But there was one problem. 
You know what that problem was? Well, Timothy had a mom who was a Jew, godly heritage Jew, but Timothy's father was a what? A Greek. Okay, so think of this. Timothy had a godly upbringing. He's a disciple here. But there was just this one problem. Timothy had not been circumcised. Now, I'm not trying to be funny about this, but someone asked, like, how did people know? Some of you are wondering, aside from the people close to him, very close to him. Well, his father was a Greek. Greek fathers don't circumcise their sons, even if the mother is a Jew. So the word had gotten out. I mean, this had to be embarrassing. You know, Timothy, you know, godly heritage, but brother hasn't been circumcised. Now listen to me carefully. This has nothing to do, circumcision then has nothing to do today. Okay, so just take that aside, okay? Look at the principle I want to show you. Paul wanted to take Timothy with him on his journey, and he wanted Timothy to be used by God. But there was this one problem. Timothy had not been circumcised. Why was that a problem? Well, the problem was this. If you're Paul and you got Timothy who hasn't been circumcised, you're going into synagogues into Jewish people. Because, you know, they were, the Jewish boys were circumcised eighth day. So to go into a synagogue and to know you had somebody with you talking to Jews who didn't have the mark of being a Jew, that was a big insult. And so in order for Timothy to be relevant to his audience, he had to be circumcised. Are y'all tracking? Wow. Now, everyone knew that the uncircumcised could not reach the circumcised. In order to reach them, Timothy had to become like them. So what what did Paul do? Well, let's read it. The end of verse 3, or the rest I should say, verse 3. And he, Paul, took him and circumcised him. Because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, I was not expecting that the first time I read it. I was expecting something like, you know, and Paul pulled him aside and prayed for him and encouraged him. Something like that. I was not expecting, and he took him and circumcised him. I can just hear MC Hammer in the background. No, no, no. Some of y'all get that later. Can't touch this. There you go. Think of this. A grown man who's a disciple has this encounter with Paul. And Paul knew that in order for Timothy to be a fruitful disciple of Jesus to the Jews, Timothy had to go under the knife. Think of this. A grown man being willing to get up on the table to allow another grown man get in his business, into a very private area of his life, to cut away the very thing that was keeping him from being effective as a minister to the Jews. What? How painful that must have been for Timothy. But he was willing to go through the pain of being cut on in order to be used by God. Now think about this principle. He was willing to go under the knife for the sake of Jesus and his call on his life. One of the things that makes my wife very secure is the fact 
that I have men. I have had men in my life for 21 years cutting on me, cutting away the things in my life, anything and everything that has kept me from being like Jesus. I thank God for all the people in my life who have cut on my soul, who have cut away at my pride. Come on, man, you have the gift of pride. Men who have come alongside of me and who have helped me see what I cannot see. To cut away things that I think are fine, but those things that I think are fine are actually hindering me and keeping me from the fullness of God's blessing in my life. I like to say it this way. Every one of us needs someone who can cut away the flesh that is keeping us from our God-appointed future. Did you get that? Listen to me. Every single one of us, men, women, we all, if we're in Christ, if we've answered the call, we've counted the cost, we need Paul's in our lives to cut away those things that are keeping us from walking in the fullness, in the fruitfulness of his call on our lives. Let me say it a different way. We need people who can cut away anything that hinders us from being fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ. And over the years, I've done a lot of dumb things, especially before I got saved. I did a lot of dumb things. But one of the smartest things I ever did was right after I got saved, I cornered Pastor Ray McCollum. You remember Pastor Ray? I had him come speak back in the new year. I saw him. I said, I need that man speaking into my life. I cornered him. I cornered Mike Gowans. I cornered Rice Brooks. Over the years, I have found men who look a lot like Jesus. And I've got up before them and I said, listen, I'm a nobody. But in so many words, I'm willing to get up on the table. Anything you see in my life that is ungodly, any flesh, any hindrances, any pride, whatever you see, go after it with the knife of the Word of God. And y'all, there's a big pile of flesh from Lafayette all the way back to Scottsdale, all the way back to Nashville, a trail of things that have been cut off in my life because I was willing to get up on the table and let people speak into my life. I've done so many things wrong. But I made that decision 21 years ago, and I keep making that decision. How many of y'all know you never have to wonder what's on Pastor Jacob's mind? I got so many men cutting on me, so many men close to me. Oh boy, it hurts to get out that knife. Go after that pride the blind spots. I hope you feel at rest and at peace knowing that your pastor is being cut on all the time. That should make you very secure. Because, and I hope this is your church family, but if God calls you somewhere else, if you ever go to a church and you get the man of God, and it's just the man of God, we call it, and there are no other men of God around the man of God, 
you better run real fast. But when you get a man of God who's surrounded by men and women of God, and by the way, I've got a real strong wife who keeps me in line, that should bring security to you. But how many of y'all know, I need it, but so do you. I need it, but so do you. Pastor Scott, I wish my marriage were healthier. I wish I was more mature in Christ. I wish I was further along. Don't fall into condemnation. Get the revelation that it might be because you've had Jesus all along, but maybe you haven't had men around you or ladies, ladies around you who, who could have walked beside you, calling out. But watch, watch this. Not just calling out. This isn't the let's call each other out club. Discipleship can get weird when it's just, here's what I see, man. God, here's what I see. It's not that. It can be that at times. Discipleship is not calling things out all the time. Discipleship is calling you up. It's calling you up to be the man and the woman God's called you to be. And as he calls you up, it's not just for that. It's then to send you out to be a fruitful disciple who is making disciples of all nations for the glory of God. That's why we're here. There's nothing spectacular about me sitting down and sharing these truths with you. I don't want you to be impressed by my delivery. I want you to be impressed by the truthfulness of the Word of God, to hear it, to receive it, and to say yes to it. Jesus is spectacular. His Word is spectacular. His mission is spectacular. Are you on His mission? Have you answered His call? Have you counted the cost and said yes? Lastly, are you willing to be cut on? Because, you see, Paul Paul could count on Timothy because he could cut on Timothy. The people that I can count on are those that I can cut on. Are you willing to be cut on? 